Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're in our series called The Little Things, and we're wrapping up The Little Things, and this has been a, a really fun series, and this has been a series talking about, man, there are lots of things in life that seem really small that we want to dismiss as insignificant that have a huge impact on our life, and if we will get the little things right, many times the big things go right. But if we neglect the small things, as the Bible says, the small foxes spoil the vine. If we neglect the small things, it will lead to a lot of regret. But if we own the small things, it will have a massive blessing on our life. And so today I want to talk to you about beepers and microwave chicken. Beepers and microwave chicken. And I don't know if we'll get to microwave chicken. I didn't first service. Um, So I'm going to sprint through this as much as I can. Um, Yesterday I was reading my Bible, my paper Bible, not my Bible app my paper Bible, and I'm one of those people that take notes when I'm reading the Bible, so it's stuffed full of papers, and I started cleaning out my Bible, and when I did, this piece of, these two pieces of yellow paper fell out, and I haven't seen, I was like, what is this, because it's not my handwriting, it's nobody's handwriting, I know, and it is a letter, a two-page letter from my first church that I was at that my pastor wrote up of all the things I was doing wrong. Um, So this is dated November 3rd, 1998. That makes me really old um, because that was 25 years ago. Some of you are like, no, yes. Um, So if you're thinking no, just understand you're old too. Um, So I want to give you kind of some of the highlights of the things that were in this notes because when I read it yesterday, I got a really big grin. Um, So um, he said this, uh, The pastor's name was Pastor Jackson in the colony, Texas, and he said, Saturday is a work day, no exceptions. There are no days off in ministry, so show up to work on Saturday and stop asking for a day off. (laughs) Healthy boundaries. Um, So, second thing was no jeans and overalls ever. Um, I'm like, are we communists? Nothing says America like overalls. Um, But... And I had the overalls back in the day, you flicked one strap over the shoulder because you were a cool kid or a rapper. Um, I'll let you decide. Um, Some of you are like none of the above and you would be correct. Um, But I was required to wear slacks and a tie every day to the office and you see how well that stuck. Um, All of my messages, all my sermons had to get approved by the pastor and the assistant pastor. Um, That was fun. Office hours needed to be needed to be needed to be abided by, and there was no leaving early. Some of you are like, "Well, that makes sense." What were you doing? I, I was leaving early, and here's why: um, I was required to be at church at 6:30 a.m. and wasn't allowed to leave till 7 p.m. Um, and here was my favorite: You're required to find a payphone. How many of you remember payphones? Come on. 
You're like, yeah, you're with me, right? You're required to find a payphone and call us back in five minutes if you have been paged on your beeper, right? Like you remember the beeper, you're like, oh no, who is it? And you're hitting the button, you're like, oh, you know, and, and it was just like their control way for me. And here it is, here it is. This is my first ministry experience and I remember this pastor telling me that if I couldn't, I, I, I went in like, about a week later after I got this letter, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this any longer, right? And I remember him saying to me, he said, if you can't make it here in ministry, you can't make it anywhere. And I remember that. And he said it in front of me, in front of my wife. And I'm like, well, then I'm done with ministry because I, I, I can't do this. And, and the reason I'm bringing it up to you today is I can look at this 25 years later and laugh about it, grin about it. Um, when I was in it, it was hard. But can I tell you, even though it was hard, out of that, I never, it never affected me as a person. Um, it, it didn't affect the kind of husband I was. I didn't turn into a jerk to Casey all the time. If you just let me be gone from 6.30 to 7 as newlyweds, you know, and didn't love me so much, I don't know, right? Just keep your hand. Anyways, um, you know, I don't know what the problem is, right? No, 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 I didn't turn into a bad husband. Um, I, it didn't affect me becoming a dad. It didn't make me jilded, jaded and kind of just angry at ministry and pastors. It didn't change me as a youth pastor. It didn't change my ministry because there was a moment there right when it happened. Oh, I was hurt. I was a little embarrassed. I was a little upset. I'm not going to deny that that wasn't happening. But really quickly after I got this and after I resigned, um, man, I just had to make a decision to get over it, right? And today I want to talk to you on that press, press, that, that, that idea, because I can't say the first word. Um, I want to talk to you about that idea about some of us today, the best thing you can do is to develop a spirit that gets over it, right? Like th this is your Sunday to get over whatever has been affecting you, whatever has been making you mopey, whatever has hurt you. This is your Sunday to get over over it. Because some of us, we have become a victim. Some of us, we have been moping around. And I'm not talking about to the, I'm not talking to the person that just found out their whole world's falling apart today. I'm not talking about the person that you're dealing with heartbreak three weeks ago, and you're still trying to put the pieces back together. But I am talking to that person that you've been dealing with heartbreak, and you've been dealing with hurt, and you've been dealing with offense for the last six months. I am talking to you. I'm talking to that person that it's been years and years and years that you've been dealing with it and one thing has affected you. And hear me, I'm not meaning this in a heartless way, but there's gotta be a place where you say, hey, that's part of my story, but that's not the whole story, right? I've got to decide that I'm gonna have a spirit of get over it. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. I love this uh, a proverb because here's what it's saying. Guard your emotions. Guard your feelings because if you're not careful, your emotions will lead you instead of you leading your emotions. And many times how we feel about things is what leads us to things or away from things. And there's a better way for you and I to live. And it's found in Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Many of us grew up hearing this. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. What's Solomon saying? He's saying don't lean in to the way you feel about something. 
Don't, don't, don't depend on how you see it, on how you feel about it, on how you understand it, but keep acknowledging God even when it hurts, even when you don't understand why it happened, even when you're embarrassed, even when you're mad, even when you're, you're offended. Keep leaning and depending on God, and his word says this, he will show you a better way to live your life. He will show you a pathway ahead even though all this carnage happened back here. And today I wanna give us a great example out of this, a great story out of this that is found in 1 Samuel 16, and we got a lot of scripture to go through. So buckle up, settle down. We're gonna read some scriptures this morning. 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse one, then we're jumping to chapter, I mean, verse four through 13. It says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. And can I tell you, let's stop. I didn't get one sentence in. <laughs> Some of you today, you've mourned long enough. Like you've been in a season of mourning. Okay, right? Like, like God's saying, get over it, right? Like this is, you've, you've mourned, you're upset, you've mourned for Saul long enough, but I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil, olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Get moving, right? Find a man named Jesse. Everybody say Jesse. I just like his name, who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Did you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge his appearance or height, for I don't like tall people. No, for I have rejected him. <laughs> the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is, not one of, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all, of seven, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse replied, there is still the youngest. The, I like the way the message reads. Is he says, they're still the runt. Like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and this is why all of us babies in the family have issues, right? Right here. Sent for him at once, Samuel said, we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Sounds like somebody else. Um, anyways, and the Lord said... <laughs> This is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So this cool moment, we're getting ready to jump into 1 Samuel 17. Here's what happens between 16 and 17. David's anointed king and nothing else really changes in David's life. Right? He's still tending the sheep. He's still tending the goats. He's still kind of his, his dad's errand boy. And all of a sudden, the Israelites start battling the Philistines. And you know the story of David and Goliath. They're there 40 days, 40 nights. 
setting up camp, and Goliath comes out and tells a scary ghost story, and the Israelites go back to their tents, and they're like, oh, that was so scary, right? And so um, David kind of shows up, his dad's sending him out, and we pick up there, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 13, Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army, and one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring them back, bring back a report on how they are doing. So David goes, he drops off the snacks, he sees what's going on, there's this battle going on, and he hears that Saul is offering a reward, but they can't find any sucker to volunteer, and David's like, I'm your guy, right? Like, I'm that guy, like, I got a guy, and I'm him. And so David, David's, like, boldness uh, reaches Saul's ear. Saul calls him forward, and here we go. David says to Saul, don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. And I love the response. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way. Like, you're gonna get beat, right? Like, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this both to lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. There's a whole lot I could say about this text. It's a series. I did a series on it called Rally in the Valley several years ago, but today I just want to give us two takeaways today from this text about getting a spirit that is a spirit of get over it. First one is this, get over it so you don't get stuck under it. Get over it so you don't get stuck under it. David, if we're looking at this passage of scripture correctly, David had been overlooked, right? Like like imagine this, your dad throws a party invites the pastor that you like, so not this guy, but the pastor you like to your house, invites all your siblings, and you got a big family. He invites all seven of your siblings. Everybody's there, it's a party, they had a church service, and all of a sudden they are deciding who's gonna be in charge of Israel, and they don't call you. And then when nobody else was a fit, your dad's like, well, I guess there's the youngest one. And they call you in and you walk in and everybody's having a party and you're like, what, well, what's happening? Thanks for inviting me, right? Like, thanks guys, I really appreciate the invite. Have you ever walked into a situation where you weren't the one invited and it got awkward real quick? I have, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know you guys were getting together. I thought we were friends, right? Like, I, like you've been there, right? This is where David is and he has been overlooked. He has been taken advantage of. He wasn't even considered And he walks in and he is anointed the next king of Israel in front of his brothers. Like, it is a good thing I wasn't David because I'd be so cocky, right? I'd be like, that's right, that's right. You can bow to me today, you can bow to me tomorrow. You can kiss the ring, you can kiss the hand, right? Like, it's a good thing. 
And David doesn't do any of that. In fact, it says that David goes back to being an errand boy. And David, all of a sudden, is like the mom at the soccer game during halftime bringing orange slices to the brothers, right? There's a fight, like literally, it's a fancy charcuterie board is what David's bringing. He's like, here's your cheeses and your breads, and here we go, getting all fat and sassy, like, here you go. Cheese and breads, there you go. And he's like supposed to be a tattletale for his dad, right? That's what we find David doing. And if I'm David, I'm mad. Because I'm like, bro, did you forget who was anointed next king? Do, do, do you see what I am capable of? Instead, he was taken advantage of. He was forgotten about. He was ridiculed by his brothers when he shows up. And yet it doesn't say anything about David getting mad at his dad. It doesn't say one thing about him speaking ill of his father, of his mother, of his brothers. It just shows him having a spirit of getting over everything that happened, everything that was said. He was forgotten about. He was neglected. He wasn't considered. And yet he didn't get offended by it. He got over it. And some of you here today, you have decided instead of having a spirit of get over it, you've decided to stay stuck under a spirit of offense. And you've been offended by things and you are stuck there because instead of picking and choosing a spirit of get over it, you chose and you picked to be offended. And now everywhere you go, you get offended easily because you, once you're offended, it's a lot easier to offend you as it goes on. Some of us, we got our feelings hurt. And now we've become a sensitive person. No, 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 it's not that you're a sensitive person. It's you haven't dealt with what happened and you don't have a spirit of get over it, so you're still stuck under all these hurt feelings. Some of us, it's that we feel like we've been taken advantage of. Man, we're upset, people talk bad about us, people have hurt our feelings, people have upset us, we feel like everybody is treated different than us and we just haven't found our group and we don't fit in anywhere and hear me, there's gotta be a moment where you decide, you come to a place where you are going to have a spirit of get over it. Because here's the truth, if you don't choose to have a spirit of get over it, what's the alternative, right? Right, you're going to choose to live under it. You're going to choose to live, and when I say it, you're going to choose to live under offense, unforgiveness, because can I tell you, offense and hurt feelings always leads to some place, and it's unforgiveness, and it becomes toxic in your life. And where did it come from? This small little comment. The small little moment has blown up into something else because you didn't own it and you didn't take care of the little thing and it's turned into this big giant thing. And in the process, you gotta choose. Am I gonna choose to live under it and stay stuck there or am I going to choose to get over it? Because if you don't choose to get over it, here's what happens. You get stuck and you feel stagnant. And you're going, man, why is, aren't things moving? And why isn't God moving in my life? And we feel stuck, and yet at the same time, we wanna move on to what's next in life. But here's the problem. Some of you aren't ready for what's next because you haven't gotten over what was. Some of us in this place, some of us watching online today, you're, you, you're not ready for what's next because you haven't gotten over what was. What has happened. Or, or here's where we are. What should have happened? Well, this is what my life should have looked like. This is what my marriage 
should have looked like. This is what my home should have looked like. This is what my parents should have been like. And you are still so upset and you're so stuck here that you're not ready to move on over here because God's, it's not that God isn't moving, it's that you're not ready to move. You're not ready to move. Have you ever shown up to move somebody that wasn't ready? Oh, I hit a nerve there. A few years ago, I show up and they're like, hey, 10 o'clock sharp, be here. We're gonna knock this out. I'm like, okay, sounds great. I'll be there, 10 o'clock sharp. I show up 9.55 because 10 o'clock sharp means you get there early, not late, and not on time, right? Because if you're not five minutes early, you're five minutes late. Anyways, I get there. I show up, big house. There's not one thing packed. There's, they haven't even assembled their boxes. They're like, hey, we thought we'd spend the first 15 minutes assembling boxes. I was like, suckers, no. That is not why I showed up here for. So we put these boxes together. Adam was there. Um, we put these boxes together. And literally, I go around to different rooms. Then they want to tell me what goes into what box. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to put everything in a different box, and you're not going to know where anything is. <laughs> Putting kids' stuff in, night stuff in, kitchen stuff in, electronics. It doesn't matter. You lost the outfit. It took us for, in fact, I just left because they weren't ready to move because I hadn't done the certain steps to get there. And some of us, we say, well, why isn't God moving in my life? It's because you're right here. And you're dealing with what was, and it's time for you to box that stuff up. It's time for you to pack up the hurt. It's time for you to pack up what people have said about you. It's time to pack up being the one that was left out, but they were my friends. Well, guess what? It's time to move on from those friends because God's got something better for you, right? Like, like it's time for you to move on, but God can't move you where you're not willing to go. And some of you, you want to pout and you want to mourn, and here's what I would say. I'm gonna echo the Bible. You have mourned over your soul long enough. Can I tell you, David always comes after Saul, and what you thought would be and should be isn't. And if you have mourned over what you thought would be and should be, it's not. But can I tell you, God's got David down the line. If you will simply pack up and get moving, God's got something better for you. So let me encourage you with this. Let me, let me just leave you with this. Be faithful with the sheep and goats so you can be prepared for your Goliath. Be faithful with the sheep and goats so you can be prepared for your Goliath. 1 Samuel 17. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club, to, and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Here's what I want us to know. Hold on. Oh, I'm better. I'm ready. When I read this passage, you know what's crazy? The sheep and goats weren't even David's. He was tending to somebody else's dream, to somebody else's plan, and it wasn't even his. And some of us, we're at a place where we don't even see the tangible benefit like David was. 
We don't even see a tangible benefit that's gonna come out of this, but you gotta be faithful and you gotta be fruitful where you are because while David was tending the sheep and the goats, a place where he was neglected, a place where he was forgotten about, a place he didn't wanna be at, a place where he was bored, a place where he felt stuck, a place that he felt was a waste of his time, where did David learn to use his slingshot? While he was tending the sheep and the goat. Where did David learn to defeat a lion? While he was tending and watching the sheep and goats. While he was alone and he didn't have an audience, he was practicing his magic in the dark. Where did David learn to battle the bear? While nobody was watching, God was preparing him. And you may feel like you're in a season that you are wasting your time. Can I tell you, God's not wasting this season, so don't you dare. But you keep preparing and you keep letting God prepare and develop you because he's doing something in the dark. And some of us are like, well, I don't like it. It doesn't matter what you like because if you follow your feelings, you're gonna miss out on the developing, right? God is way more about developing you and preparing you than you getting discovered. And some of us, we are so enamored with the lights and the stage. We're so enamored with the position, with the corner office, with the money, with the finances, with the house. We feel like we're wasting away. And if God's not wasting this season, you may be in a place you don't like, that's fine. Realize God is developing you and preparing you because here's what I will tell you. Faithfulness always comes before fruitfulness. It does. Jesus said this, abide in me and I'll abide in you. For apart from me, you can't do anything. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Be faithful in abiding, and you'll be faithful in being fruitful, even when you're in a place you don't want to be. So David is being prepped. David is being developed, right, while he's tending the sheep and the goats that aren't even his. He's being developed, and he is learning to fight lions and bears, so that once he came to Goliath, he wasn't scared of some tall guy because he's been busy defeating bears and lions. Like, why are you guys scared of this guy, right? He shows up like, this guy ain't nothing. I've been fighting bears, bro. Like, come on. I've been defeating lions and you're scared of a guy? Like, are you serious? I'll do this. I got this sucker. Yeah, I'm like, come on. You're going to give me a girl? Like, you're going to give me a lot of money just for defeating some tall, skinny guy? I'm in, right? See, nobody believed in David because nobody saw David's preparation, some of you, you're waiting for somebody to believe in you before you go do what God's calling you to do. Can I tell you, be faithful in your pasture. You're gonna either pout in your pasture or you can prepare in your pasture, but one's gonna happen or the other. And if you're preparing in your pasture with your sheep and goats, oh my God, when you come to your Goliath, it's on. It's on. I love this quote. It says, champions aren't made in the ring. They're just recognized there. And some of you, can I tell you, he wants to, he's making you outside of the ring. I've never met a doctor that I've allowed to work on me. I've met a doctor, but <laughs> they didn't go to medical school. They didn't have a residency. If I met a doctor that said, and I said, hey, where'd you go to medical school? Oh, I didn't. I just feel like being a doctor. <laughs> no, you're not going to let them do surgery. You're not going to let them, like, listen to your heart. Get out of here, weirdo, right? Like, that's weird. Like, I've never met a CEO that didn't start at the bottom and develop and work his way up, right? I never met a lawyer that didn't have to go to law school and learn to be prepared and developed for the courtroom. And some of us, we think our situation's different. No, it's not. 
You just don't feel like it, but don't listen to your feelings. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Don't do what you feel like. Don't do what you understand or what you wanna lean on, but lean and acknowledge God in all your ways, even in the sheep and goats. And can I tell you, if you will keep following the Lord in your sheep and goats, you're not gonna fall flat when it comes to your Goliath. Man, realize God loves you enough. He's not gonna let you sacrifice your Goliath. Here's what I love, and I'm, I'm closing with this. You realize Jesus was 30 years old before he started a three and a half year ministry. Jesus, the son of God, took 30 years to prepare and develop for a three and a half year ministry. So why do you think you're gonna be different? Why are you trying to rush the process when God is busy developing and preparing you for where you are right now. I remember when we were building playgrounds in Kenya. I know nothing about building playgrounds, um, and I still don't know anything about building playgrounds, but we were there, and the guys we went with, uh, Jeff Wagnon and Hunter Wagnon, um, they were so just anal. I think I can say that word. It's Hebrew. Um, anal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying my filters today. Um, about the very beginning of the process, I'm like, it's close enough. I mean, it's, 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 it's got to be exact. I'm like, but, but it's, I mean, it looks level. It look, it look, I mean, you're like just a couple inches off. It's close enough. And here's why I, I said, Jeff, I, I, I go, for real, I go, I'm not arguing with me. Like, help me understand, why is it so important? He goes, because if we get just an inch off now, it's gonna be feet off later, right? If you don't get it right now, when it's down the road, it's gonna be way off. And can I tell you, if you don't get this right now, if you don't get this moment done and you don't get it down right now with your sheep and goats, you're gonna be way off down the road. And God loves you enough to say, hey, you know what? This is your Sunday. This is your moment. Not to stay stuck. Not to have a spirit of offense. Not to have unforgiveness. Not to have a victim mentality everywhere you go. Not to be the one that feels left out. But this is your Sunday to have a spirit and choose a spirit to get over it so you can move on to what God has for you. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for your goodness and I thank you that you love us enough that, God, you, your word says you will never forsake us or forget about us. And so, Lord, I pray for that person today that maybe, maybe they feel forsaken. Maybe they feel forgotten about today. Can I just, can we just lean into you today that we understand that your word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? God, I pray for that person that they just feel like they're in a season where they're wasting their time. A season where it feels like nothing is going right and everything's going wrong and what am I doing here? And I thought I would be somewhere else at this stage. Can I just pray that we would have a spirit, that we have patience and we understand that you are still developing us and you're preparing us for what is next. So instead of us pouting in our pasture, I pray that we would let you prepare us there. 
Instead of us being upset and feeling forgotten about, I pray that we would be developed there and we would realize you are still finishing the work that you started according to Philippians 1.6 in our life, that you're not done with us, but you're still moving in us. And there's a lot of us we're hung up on what has happened and what should have happened. And Lord, I pray today, don't let us stay stuck there. God, don't let us stay stuck there. Let today be moving day. Let this Sunday be our moving day where we choose to have a spirit that gets over it and moves past it because we realize our best is still to come. Lord, move and work in us today, I pray in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.